Hi, thanks for joining this week's podcast with Pastor James Jones of the Divergent Church. We hope you will be blessed by the message you are about to hear. If you would like some more information about the church, please feel free to reach out via email at divergentcog at aol.com or go over and check out our website, divergentcog.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a blessed day. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 14 this morning. We're going to preach along the lines of this. Friend day, bringing people into the house of God and not just into the local church, but into the kingdom, not just into a church called Divergent, but into the church of Jesus Christ, not just into a local building where people gather, but into an eternal family that will remain forever in heaven, praising and adoring the father who has created each and every one of us. This morning, I want to talk to you about that my house might be full. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 14 this morning. And we're going to read verse 15 through 23. And the Word of God says this. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. And then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who are invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Church, there's a great invitation. There is a tremendous invitation that is laid out and it is extended to one and to all. Not just to a celebration, not just to a feast, not just to a moment of rejoicing, but it is an invitation that goes beyond anything that we have ever received before. It's not just for a momentary celebration. It's not just for a Sunday service. It's not just for a rejoicing time in a feast. but it's one that we could be involved in, included in. It's an eternal invitation that is given. But so many people had excuses. Well, I just bought a piece of property. I want to go look at it. I want you to look at this excuse. How many of you have ever bought a piece of property and haven't looked at it? Because if you have, I'd like to sell you some after church today. You see where I'm going here? You get, when you read the Word of God, every single word is important. Amen. 
think about this. I bought a piece of property. I want to go look at it. That's basically a lame excuse, church. That's like saying, my dog's lost. I got to go find him real quick. I can't come to the king's house. Yet another one. I bought a yoke of oxen, five yoke of, of oxen. I'm going to test them out. All right, how many of you ever bought a car and you never tested it yet? Because I've got one at my house I want to sell you today. What we see here are some pretty lame excuses, but you've got to understand the excuses we give God are just as lame sometimes. And the excuses that the world gives God are just as lame sometimes. You see, this is a multi-level situation here. We're talking about people who are being invited, but we're also talking about people who are invited to invite others. See, you and I were invited in. You and I have been given the invitation. You and I have received the initial invitation. We've come in. Now we've become that servant of God. But understand, I like this first verse in this text in verse 15. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. You know, in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And since we are called to be Christ-like church, i got to ask you, is your food to do the will of him who sent you? Is your satisfaction, is your fulfillment, is your contentment, is your completeness found in doing the will of God in your life? Or is it found in buying a piece of property, found in buying some oxen, found in watching a television show, found in some other pleasure? Or is it found in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, we are called, we are appointed, we are anointed, and we are commissioned to go forth and invite and into the highways and into the byways and to go wherever we may go that His house might be full. Not that the church building, not that the local body, but that the house of God, the kingdom of God may be full. That we might go out and give an invitation that Jesus Christ has made a way to come to a banquet which otherwise we would not be able to come to. You think we have wedding celebrations in our day? You realize wedding celebrations back then were a week long? And see, you would get an invitation. You would say, there's going to be a wedding. And then when this part came, when they said everything's ready, well, you're coming for a week. This is going to be a week-long party. This is a big event. Same sort of situation, church. Well, I don't have time to go celebrating this because I have something I want to do. I don't have time to, to, to go into where God's called me because I want to do this or I've got this. Or I, you know, the middle word in sin is I. When we get so focused on I and so focused on me and so focused on what I want, I get so lost in sin. I'm no good to anybody, including myself. But there's an invitation that has been given and the invitation has been given to me. And then when I have come to God and I've enjoyed that celebration, I've enjoyed that liberty and I've enjoyed that freedom. When I don't go and in turn invite others, what am I really doing? I'm getting so wrapped up in myself that I've forgotten what God has given me. Not what I've earned. I didn't earn the right to be in God. I didn't earn my way into being some super Christian and you should be more like me and if you were more spirits. No, 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 no. Everything I have, I was given. Everything I receive, everything I do is a gift of God. Because y'all know full well I do not deserve to be doing what I'm doing right now. Some of y'all have seen me try to talk outside of a podium and it does not work very well for me. 
You have seen my administrative skills outside of the church and they are non-existent. But for whatever reason, when doing the will of God and doing the work of God, He works through me. Yes, He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's why I'm so proud. I am the foolish things of the world, church. And I know it's all Him. And when people see me, they know it's all Him. See, that's the invitation, church. We're invited by God to not only enjoy a wonderful celebration or a feast, but to actually accomplish something. Accomplish something for Him. Wait a second now, hold on. We've been invited to a celebration. We've been invited to a feast. We've been invited to this great time of rejoicing. And we've been invited to do something. So what does that mean? When we've done it, when we've accomplished it, when God's worked through us, that rejoicing is going to be much greater, isn't it? That celebration is going to be worth it. That, that, that wonder, imagine this, if you will. Now, local team here, probably not everybody's a fan because they've let us down for about 20-something years now, but, you know, the Washington football team out there, right? What if they threw a Super Bowl parade? What would happen? Now, some people got there, yeah, woohoo! But did they win the Super Bowl? Why are you throwing a parade? You haven't done anything. But so many times we want to celebrate like we've done something. We want to, oh man, we can hoop it up and hype it up, but we've done nothing to deserve it. And so at the end of that celebration, there's this hollow, empty feeling where I've done all of the things and I've gone through all of the steps and we had the parade and we had the ticker tape and we had the banners and we had the trophies, even whether they were fake or real, didn't matter. But when it's over, all of a sudden, now what? I feel empty. Because with all of that stuff I did, I did the same thing that the winners did. I did the same thing that the people who committed and, and, and got to the prize. I did the same thing they did when they celebrated. But now I feel empty. Why? Because I never actually did anything. I just wanted to celebrate. I just wanted to feel good. I didn't want to be good. I wanted to feel good. You see, when we accomplish something for him, there is something to celebrate. There's already something to celebrate in what Jesus Christ has done for us. But what about what Jesus Christ can do through you? What about what he can do? My goodness, can you imagine next week at this time? And I want you, when you put a name on these prayer cards, I want you to put a name that God gives you. God may give you a name. If He gave you a name like He gave me, He may give you a name where you're like, Man, that person is not getting saved. Well, guess what? At some point in our lives, I don't know if your testimony is like mine, but somebody was probably looking at you and saying, or looking at me and saying, yeah, that person ain't going to, uh-uh, no. No, they're not coming to church. You know why I came to church the first time? Because somebody invited me. Honest to goodness, the first time I came to church, guys up the street invited me. And when I came there, I didn't even know what a Bible was. I know I told you this story. Some of you have heard this before. I'm the only 12-year-old to get, ever get kicked out of kids' church on his first day at, at church. Now, I was sitting with some rascals. They were the kids that live up the street from me. And they constantly got in trouble in church, so they already had a reputation. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I didn't know they got in trouble at church. I know they got in trouble at school because we all did. But we go to church, and we're sitting there in the back, and the teacher says, get out your Bible. And I said, I looked at Travis and Justin, I said, and they start chuckling. They start giggling. Travis, always outspoken. I, I swear, he's got the gift of Peter. He doesn't think he just speaks. He nudges me. Ask the teacher. 
And him and his brother are just laughing. I can't figure out why. So I'm not paying attention. They're looking at each other, chuckling. And I raised my hand because yes, I said, what's the Bible? Now, you've got to understand what she sees. She sees this kid in here talking and the two kids next to him laughing. And they're all together. So her first words are, get out. Huh? Get out. I, I, I kid you not, church. She said, get out. I said, get out of what? Out of the room now. That's not fun. And so out the door I go. I close the door. 12 years old, first time ever in a church. I just got kicked out of kids' church. I'm in the hallway, like, what did I do? I don't understand. Oh, my gosh. What? And this lady comes up to me, Miss Shelley, and I'll never forget it. She's, she's, she's a, she says, young man, we do not play with the word of God. I know you and your friends think you're funny, and you and your friends think this is cute, but this is not something that we play with. We don't joke around, oh, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? And I start tearing up. She goes, what does it matter? I said, I don't know what a Bible is. And she hugged me. She goes, oh, my God. And she starts crying. She goes, you really don't know. I said, I really don't know what a Bible is. She gave me one. Now, here I am preaching and, and, and teaching and using the Word of God, but until somebody invited me, I didn't even know what a Bible was. So nobody is without hope, church. Highways, the byways, the lame, the maimed, the ones that the world will reject, the ones that other churches might reject, the ones that people say, oh, they're not going to bring any tithe money in. Oh, they're not going to do any of this. Who cares what they bring in? Go get them and bring them to Jesus Christ. We are fishers of men. We catch them. He cleans them. With one accord, they made excuses. Piece of property, oxen, married. I can't heed the Lord's call right now. You want to know what the truth is? And this is what's going to hurt, but hey, that's what the truth does. It comes back to a lack of belief. It's not that I'm too busy. It's that I don't believe. I say I believe, but I don't believe. James says, show me your faith by your words. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. I can say I believe, but if I don't, if uh, I've given you this illustration before, if I'm leaning on a hot stove and somebody says, that's a hot stove, it's going to burn your hand. Oh, I believe you, but I don't move. I don't really believe you. I'm waiting to see if it's going to do it. I don't really believe. Or, or, or we say, you know, uh, we got to pray. Pastor, prayer is the most important thing. But then you get home and the kids are upset and you got to make dinner and the phone is ringing and you've got stuff going on. I don't have time to pray. I've got to deal with all this stuff. I've got to deal with all this stuff. But in the middle of all that, somebody calls you and says, I'm 25 minutes away. If you can get here in 30 minutes, I'm going to give you a briefcase with a million dollars in it. Guess what? You drop everything and drive as fast as you can. Police driving you, if, chasing you if they have to, to that briefcase because you're going to get it. Why? Because you believe a million dollars will change your life, but you don't believe prayer will. You see, our actions speak a whole lot louder than our words. If I'm going to chase a million dollars because I believe it'll change something, well, I know it'll change something. It'll pay my bills. It'll do this. And I know prayer will change something too. And I know it will. And I know serving God is what I'm called to do. And I know going out to others and giving the gospel and being a witness and inviting them. I know that's what God's called me to do. But I don't do it. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of belief. You see, the servant is sent back out. Go get them. Go get the lame. Go get the poor. Go get the outcast. The world may look down on them, but go get them. Go get anyone that you can see. 
and compel them. Compel them to come in. Why? Because 1 Timothy 2 and 4 says, God's desire is for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire, church. That's that's not a a, a slick church slogan. That's not a great uh, logo to have. It is God's desire for all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And we're the servant in this parable. You and I are the servant. We were once the ones out there being invited in, but now we've been invited and now we've been partakers. Now we are partakers with Jesus Christ. And God is looking at us and saying, go out there and get the lost. Go out there and get the lame. Go out there and get the alone because they need me. Just the way you need me. We were invited in. And now we can make a difference for others. We were invited in and now we can change things for others. Turn with me, if you will, over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 10 through 17 here. Starting in verse 10, it says this, For the, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now I want you to understand, before we go any farther, when we talk about believes, it doesn't just mean I'm saying, oh, I believe. That means that belief has spurred me to action. That belief has drawn me to do something. That belief has pushed me outside of who I was into who I am. Because then confession is made. You see, that belief has caused me to make confession unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the invitation that we take. This is what's written down on a paper. This is what's written down on our heart. And we go to the world and we take this invitation out. Whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. Verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Look to your neighbor and say, you're a preacher. You're not any better than Pastor James. No, don't say that part. Don't say that part. You're a preacher. Verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord... Who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You and I were invited in. You and I have been partakers of this great celebration. And now the master looks at you and I and says, go out and compel them that my house might be full. Not that this local body, not that the local church, that my house, that heaven, that the kingdom of God may be full of those who are lost and lame and looking. 
We believe, we confess, and we go. I'm not who I was. I'm new. And now I celebrate, and I celebrate with joy because I know what God has done in my life. Here's the thing, though. How will others celebrate if they don't know? How will others ever know the joy of the Lord if nobody tells them about it? How can we continue on in this dark world that we live in with people constantly being discouraged and depressed by the culture around them if we do not shine the light of Jesus Christ? It is much like we looked at when we looked at the the job of the watchman. Either there's blood on the doorpost or there's blood on our hands, one or the other. Either we're displaying Jesus Christ for the world to see or we're carrying the blood of the world on our hands because we didn't tell them any different. God is sending you and I. He's sending us to the highways and the byways. You you, you may have put a name on one of those cards last Sunday or a week before. It might be a name that you said, Lord, I I don't understand this. Why am I putting this name? You just keep praying and let God do the work. He might take you to the bushes. He might take you to the ditches. He might take you to the byways. He might take you to the guy laying on the edge of the street. We heard a story about that the other day. Man laying on the edge of the street and the gospel came to him, did it not? Brother Jerome shared that yesterday. An example. That's the invitation God has given us. That's the call God has given us, to go out and share this invitation that we have so freely received. No excuses. Don't miss this. God is sending us. Because if we miss this, then those we could have reached will also miss this. And it'll be on us. If we're not the light, it will be on us. I want to wrap it up with this. Next Sunday, we can change someone's eternity. But will we hear the call of God? Praying for them every day. Inviting them to church next Sunday. See, there is this celebration But it ain't just a Sunday. It's not just a worship service. It's not just a lunch after church. It's not just a moment in time. It's that moment that changes everything because the celebration is yet to come. There is a great rejoicing that is yet to come. We're talking about eternity. Pray, invite, pray some more. You may pray for them, and sometime this week you may invite them, and they may say, yes, I'm going, and you're so excited. Don't forget to keep praying for them. Because the idea is next Sunday that everyone who comes in will walk out knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the goal. His house is not simply this building. His house is not simply one local body. His house is the kingdom of heaven. And let us work together that his house might be full, church. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we pray. My God, you've invited us, you've called us, you've brought us, you've taken us out of where we are, out of where we were to where we are now. You've taken us from where we once were when we didn't know you, we didn't have an identity, we were orphaned, we were lost, and you brought us in, you gave us a new name, you gave us a new hope, you gave us a new future, oh God. And Lord, right now, in just a moment, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to lift our friends up to you. But God, right now, before we do that, I I know some of us have already got the name on the card, but if we don't, 
Give us one right now. Give us one right now. There is a soul in the balance for every one of us, Lord God. I believe that. There's someone we can reach this week. But we're not going to reach them, Lord God, with anything less than prayer. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to seek you this morning in the altar for our friends. We're going to put them on the altar this morning before you asking, Lord God. See, if you put the name on our heart, there's a reason, oh God. It can't be an emotional thing. Oh, I feel emotional about this. No, God, we've got to clear ourselves right now. Focus on your spirit. Lord, who is it? Who is it that you're calling us to? Who is it that you're calling us to this week? Who is it that we've been praying about for the past couple weeks, Lord God, in preparation for next Sunday? Lord God, who is that name that we might bring it before you this morning? And as a body of believers, lift up our friend to you. Lift up our family to you. Because, Lord, this is not about packing the pews of a church. That's, that's an admirable thing to do. It is. But this is not about that. This is about seeing souls get saved next Sunday morning. This is about seeing new people come into the kingdom. And not only come in, but then be discipled after that. That they might go and reach others for the glory of Jesus Christ. So Lord, right now we humble ourselves before you. Who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? Who's that one that you have in our path? Who's that one that we've come in contact with? Who's that soul in the balance that you've allowed us to come in contact with? Might have been this week. Might have been in the past couple months. Might have been somebody we've known for a long time. But whatever it is, Lord God, let us have that name this morning that we might lift them up together. Church, just remain in prayer for a moment. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up front and we're going to pray together in the altar. And when we do that, we're going to be lifting that name up. And as we pray, there's going to be a point in the prayer. I'm going to ask you to call out that name to God. You don't have to do it loudly. You don't have to do it. So it can be between you and God. But we're going to together lift our friends and family up because we're believing that God is going to do the work. We're believing that God is going to